Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Luke chapter 4. Reading from verse number 18, the Bible tells us, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This scripture sums up what the whole ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ is all about. It was a verse of the scripture that Lord Jesus Christ read after he has spent some time in the wilderness, 40 days in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil. And the Bible says when he came into that particular, when he came into that temple that day, he took out the, took, took that particular scroll, opened it, and read that particular verse. And when he read that verse, look at verse number 21. The Lord Jesus Christ made this comment. He said, He began to say unto them, This day this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus is saying, The power and the presence of the Almighty God is present with you and is abiding with you right now. So you see, my brothers and sisters, there are two ways of doing life. Okay? You can do life the simple way, and you can do life the hard way. Okay? You can serve God the easy way. You can also serve God the hard way. The hard way of serving God is to serve God without the Spirit of God. It's to try to serve God with your own power, to serve God with your own might, to serve God with your own understanding. It's a very tedious work. But when you serve him in the spirit, everything changes. Because at that point in time, you are moving according to his own timetable. You are moving in the direction that he wants you to move. You are doing things the way he wants you to do it. It's just like when you are trying to figure out what your friend wants. And you want to buy a particular gift to your friend. You want to give your friend a gift. If you already spoken to your friend and your friend said, this is what I want. It is easier when you get to the store to pick out what you want. But when you don't know what this person wants and you want to impress them, then what happens? You spend hours looking at gifts to make sure to guess whether this thing good, whether this thing is good for your friend or is not good for your friend. The point you are making is that when you are serving the Lord, you can serve God the easy way or you can serve God the difficult way. And the Lord is saying that if you are going to walk with me, I need you to operate in the Spirit. Now, apart from serving, apart from the two ways of living, there are also two laws that exist in life. Two laws that are existing in life. There is the law of the, there's the natural laws, and there is also the physical law. The, sorry, sorry, there's a natural law, and then there's the spiritual law. The physical or the natural law, they are the laws that govern the physical things that you are seeing right now. There is also the spiritual laws that command and controls the spiritual realm. Okay? Now, prior to your salvation, Prior to you coming to Lord Jesus Christ, you operated in the physical. You operated in the natural. Every laws of the natural world affected you, applied unto you, and you, you, you conducted your life you're following the laws of nature. And they govern all that you do. And one thing you find is that these laws of nature not only govern what you do, they determine your success in life or your failure in life. But as soon as you become born again, 
As soon as you become a believer, the Bible said that you are translated from this kingdom into another kingdom. You are translated into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible tells us, book of Romans chapter 8, if you read from verse number 2, it says, for the laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, you have been translated from this world into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the impact and the implication of that translation is that you are no longer subject to the natural law. You are now subject also to the spiritual laws of the new kingdom that you belong to. As Christians, you are now subject to the spiritual laws of the new kingdom. And just as the natural law, obedience to these spiritual laws help you to live a successful life, help you to operate life successfully, help you to function in life successfully, and help you to be able to belong and be an effective citizen of this new kingdom. You have to know these laws and you have to obey those laws. Okay? The Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. That simply means that uh, when you operate in the laws of the spirit, you operate at a higher level. The physical laws are subject to the spiritual laws. The spiritual laws are in a the, in the, they are in a higher hierarchy, and everything that you do in the spirit kind of over to over in a kind of over uh, is, is is way above what you do in the natural. In other words, spiritual laws are more powerful than physical laws. The problem with spiritual laws is that very few people understand them. Okay, not many people understand them, and as if you don't understand them, you will not be able to obey them. And that is why the Bible tells the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. It said, for the natural man, the natural man received not the things of the spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. And that is why somebody who is not a Christian will wonder, why will somebody wake up in the morning? After you have walked all your work, and then somebody from one particular African man tells you that you are supposed to give your tithe in church, and you write a check and you send it to the church, they look at you, what's wrong with you? But if you understand spiritual laws, and you understand how spiritual laws operate, you understand that these are spiritual laws that respond to spiritual, that respond to faith. And only those who respond to it will be able to benefit from it. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually designed. That is why you see that a church which is supposed to be the body of Christ. It's supposed to be a spiritual entity. It's supposed to be filled with people who are members of a spiritual kingdom. But for some reason, those same spiritual kingdom, those same spiritual citizens do not understand what is going on in the kingdom. And that is why you ask people to pray. They don't know what to say. You ask people to pray. You ask people to do some prophetic action. They look at you as if something is wrong with you. You ask people to clap their hands. They begin to wonder what's wrong with me. Okay, they begin to do because they don't understand what is going on in the spiritual kingdom. The reason is because spiritual things are not understood by people who are not spiritual. You have to be spiritual to be able to understand spiritual things. And that's why someone said that if they take away the Holy Spirit from the church today, if the Holy Spirit were taken away from the church right now, he said 90% of our activity will go on as if nothing has happened. And that tells us one thing. It tells us that the activities that we do in church, in most cases, they are just human activity that God has not anointed. It tells us there's a lot of things that we do in the church that God does not even recognize. Because if you can take away the spirit of the Almighty God and you can still function, it means there is a problem somewhere. 
Many of our activities within the church are simply Christian activity that lack the anointing of God upon it. The question this morning is, what is this thing called the anointing? What is this anointing? Okay. Now, before we talk about the anointing as my usual practices, I will tell you what the anointing is not. Okay. So that you can better understand it. What the anointing is not. Number one, the anointing is not your talent. That you are able to sing does not mean that you are anointed. That I can speak all the grammar from this place doesn't mean that I'm anointed. Okay? Your anointing is not your talent. Yes, why your talent is the skill that you naturally have to do something that is hard, the ability that you are born with, the anointing is more than that. So the anointing, number one, is not your talent. Number two, your anointing is not your charisma. Your ability to be able to win people or get people to like you. That is not the anointing. Your charisma is that power to influence and connect with people. The anointing is more than that. The anointing is not your winning personality. The anointing is not your gift. The anointing is not the things that you do in your own strength. The anointing is much more. If the anointing is not your talent, it's not your gift, it's not your personality, it's not your charisma, what is the anointing? Number one, the anointing is the power and the influence and the effect of the Holy Spirit upon the life of a believer. The anointing is the power, the influence, and the effect of the Holy Spirit upon the life of a believer. Number two, the anointing is the wisdom and the power of God, the wisdom and the understanding of God on the life of a believer. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter seven, uh, chapter 4, reading from verse number 7, it says, wisdom is the principality, therefore get wisdom in all thy getting, get understanding. It is the anointing, that, that the, what we refer to as the anointing, is the wisdom of God upon your life, is the understanding of God upon your life, so that you begin to do things that are beyond your own ability. That is what the anointing is. The anointing is your merited favor of God upon the life of an individual. That's why they say it is grace. That's what the anointing is. That thing that sets you apart. That when you do it, it appears easy. When others do it, they say that this thing is not easy. It is the grace of God, the enablement, the ability, your merited favor upon your life. That is what the anointing is. The anointing is the promise of God for every one of us who have been connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. The anointing is the promise of the belief, is the promise of God to the believer. And that's why the Bible says, wait for the promise of the Father that you have heard of me. So now the Bible, now this, this is how the Bible describes the anointing. Now when we, now when this promise of God, when this unmerited favor of God, when this anointing of God comes upon the life of a believer, such a believer begins to do extraordinary things. When the anointing is working, it makes the gift of God in your life, the talent of God in your life, the charisma that God has poured into your life, it makes them to function in an easy and natural way. Have you seen someone like I I keep using this girl from this last Olympics, Simone Biles. Have you ever seen her do this gymnastic business? There is a special anointing of gymnastic upon that girl. Such that when she somersault, if you try it, you will know that there is a law of gravity. But she defies the law of gravity. That tells you one thing. There is a special grace upon her life that makes her to be able to do these things and make it look easy. When the anointing of God is upon the gift of God in your life, when it's upon your personality, when it's upon your natural talent, when it's upon you as an individual, you will find that the things that you do, they just come easy. You do those things without even thinking about it. You think it is natural. You think it is easy. But the people who don't have that anointing, they know it is not easy. 
So when the anointing is working, it makes a gift in the life of an individual to function with ease. In other words, the anointing of God on your gift, on your talent, on your personality, makes you to function with ease. It makes life work easy for you. It doesn't mean life becomes easy. It just means that when you get into that situation and you begin to say something, it flows naturally. Now, the anointing of God upon your life makes life easy for you. Now, the anointing is not something that is invented by the church. If you look all through the scriptures, there has always been the mentioning of the anointing. And if we just look in the Old Testament, at least you have five different ways in which the anointing is mentioned. Number one, the anointing is mentioned as the oil. When the Lord God Almighty in the book of Exodus chapter 30 was telling Moses, just prepare the anointing oil. And the intention was to use it to sanctify the, ta- the tabernacle. Number two, you see the anointing mentioned in the consecration of the priest. The anointing is mentioned in the consecration of the kings. The anointing is mentioned with reference to the prophet. And you see all this things going on. That is just in the Old Testament. If you come into the New Testament, you see the anointing mentioned in the, in, the, in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mentioned in the life of the disciples. Mentioned in the life of Stephen, the very first martyr. Mentioned in the life of Paul the Apostle. And you see it also mentioned all throughout the scripture, even up to this present day. The anointing is not an invention of the church. It is something that is well established in the scripture. Now, seeing the widespread of the mentioning of the anointing in the scripture. The question that comes to mind is that why does the Lord anoint his people? Why do he do it? Is it because he just feel like, feel like having fun and say, okay, I like this, but I'll give you some ability. I don't like you, I won't give you. Is that why he does it? What is the reason? Why does he anoint? What is the purpose of anointing? I want you to go back to that book of Luke chapter 4 that we read earlier on. Luke chapter 4, reading from verse number 18, the Bible said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. That is the reason why the spirit of God is upon my life. The reason why God has deposited the spirit in my life is because he has anointed me to do what? Number one, to preach to the God, to preach to the, preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, to the, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, the Lord is saying that from this verse of the scripture, the very purpose of the anointing is number one for declaration and proclamation of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when the Lord God Almighty pour His Spirit upon you, when He releases His grace upon your life, it's not for you to show how good you are. It is for you to declare the Word of God. It's for you to proclaim the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for you to tell the whole world that yes, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why He pours it into your life. Number two, he pours the anointing into your life so that you can heal and you can deliver. The Bible says he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive. In other words, anywhere you go and you see sickness because of the anointing, that sickness should go. Anywhere you go and you see people who are bound because of the anointing, the deliverance should come into that place. The Lord Almighty puts this power in your life so that you can set people free. The intention of hell is to lock people down. The intention of hell is to be able to keep them from getting getting the promise of God for their lives. The intention of hell is to make people to continue to see, but not be able to possess. But the Lord Almighty now said, in order for the, in order to defeat the enemy, I'm going to pour my spirit upon my people so that anywhere they go, they will be able to heal and they'll be able to deliver. You see, the first thing the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his disciples when they were going out to pray, he said, the Lord called the seventy together and he sent them out two by two and he gave them power. To do what? To heal the sick. 
so that everywhere they go, if they come across any situation, they are able to speak to those situations and those situations will disappear. The anointing, number one, is for proclamation. Number two is for healing and deliverance. Number three is for freedom, liberty, and recovery. Yeah. Bible says, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. In other words, all that have been stolen from you, everywhere you have been kept in captivity, everywhere that you are not living up to your full potential, the anointing comes to be able to set you free. When your mind is clouded, many are not able to get to where they are going, not because the road is blocked, but because they have been locked up in their hearts. They cannot understand when the Lord, when the Lord Almighty is showing them things. And because they cannot understand, only the anointing can break that particular hold upon their heart. And it sets you free. When it sets you free, you begin to walk in liberty. And as you walk in liberty, you begin to recover. You begin to recover. And that is why it is often said that the man who prays is the man who discovers. And the man who discovers is the man who recovers. In other words, the more you pray, the more you see where God is taking you. And as you see where God is taking you, you will begin to see the things that you are supposed to have that you don't have. And then you begin to pray. And then the Lord begins to reveal more of the things that he wants to do to you. And that's why he tells you, he said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are the thoughts of good and not of evil to give you an expected end. He said, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered to the heart of man. The things that God has planned for you. In other words, when the Lord opens your eyes, when you pray, the Lord opens your eyes. And he shows you the things that you do not know. And by the time he begins to show you, you begin to see, this is, this portion, this is my portion. This is the thing that God has given unto me. This is the thing that God has promised unto me. As you begin to see those things, you begin to pray and you begin to recover them. And that's why you see a man who pray. Yeah. If you see a man who knows how to pray, you will see that things happen in their lives. Mm-hmm. Not because they are special, but it's because God opens their eyes to see. And that is what the anointing does for you. The anointing gives you freedom. The anointing gives you liberty. The anointing does what? It is given for us so that we can recover those things that the enemy has stolen. What is the, what's the purpose of the anointing? The anointing is given for us for the purpose of power and exploits. If you read the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 8, it said that you shall receive power after which the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Can you imagine? I don't know. For I keep saying for those of us who are in America, you might not understand it. But for those of us who come from the real, the real motherland, when somebody tells you, I'm going to show you, he knows he's, he's telling you he's going to show you. I mean, when people walk on paved road and you can see their footprints, you know that is the devil. And the devil is real. Yeah. And the only way you can deal with the devil is for you to have a greater power. And that is why it is often said that when two powers meet, the lesser power will always bow. And the power of the Almighty God for you to, for the power of the enemy to bow before you, you need to be anointed. Yeah. You need to be anointed. And that is why God gives us the anointing for the purpose of power for exploit. So that we can begin to put the enemy to plan. In other words, the Lord God Almighty anoints his children so that we can halt the onslaught of hell. The Lord anoints his people so that we can recover what the enemy has stolen. The Lord anoints his people so that we can position ourselves for victory and dominion that was intended for us in the Garden of Eden. That is why he anoints you. So that you can reflect his glory. So that you can show forth his praise. So that people who see you will know that yes, this is a child of the living God. That is why he anoints us. And that is why every believer must seek the anointing upon their life. That is why you must be filled with the Holy Ghost. So that you can begin to see the manifestation of the things that God has promised you and promised your family. But please understand. 
There is a difference between being baptized in the Holy Ghost and just receive and having the Holy Ghost. Every born again child of God at salvation has received the Spirit of God. Therefore, there is an anointing of the Spirit upon the life of the children of a believer, of a, of a child of God who is born again, genuinely born again. Every born again child of God has received the indwelling Holy Spirit, indwelling Spirit of the Almighty God. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 15, it's saying that, but ye have received the Spirit of adoption, whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. There is a relation, there is a Spirit of God that is poured upon your life. When you are born again. Every born again child of God is sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that's why Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us. In whom also after ye have believed we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So as a believer the Spirit of God is inside of you. Okay. Every believer has the dwelling, has the Spirit of God dwelling in them. But you should not confuse that with the infilling. Or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a different thing. Okay, it's a, it's a it's a it's a completely different and separate experience. And if you go back to the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter one, verse eight, the Bible says, "Ye shall receive power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you." Now, this particular thing Jesus was telling his disciples at that time, the disciples were already saved when Jesus told them that they were already born again. They already had the Spirit of God inside of them. The baptism of the Holy Ghost that is talked about in this verse is a completely different experience. And the question is, how do you receive it? How do you receive that baptism? How do you get this anointing that we're talking about? Number one, to get the anointing, you must come through consecration. In other words, you separate yourself, set yourself apart for the sake of that particular promise. The Bible says, do not depart from Jerusalem. Tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. There has to be a separation if you want the power of God to fall upon your life. If you want that particular Holy Spirit, if you want the anointing to fall upon your life, there has to be a consecration for that promise to happen. Number two, there has to be a waiting. You don't just come and say, yes, I put in the microwave 10, 10 seconds. Holy Spirit must come. Now, come, come now, come now, come now, come now, come now, come now, come now. I'll see you next week. It doesn't work like that. I hope you understand that. It doesn't work like that. You cannot time it. Because it's not your own. It's a gift that God wants to give you. And he will give it to you at his own time. So all you have to wait, wait on the promise. That's why Jesus Christ said, wait for the promise of the Father. That is how you receive. You have to wait on it. Number three, you have to pray for that particular promise. The Bible tells us that that day when the Holy Ghost, when the, when the Spirit, when the, when the Holy Ghost was fully come, He said the 120 were in a particular room. They were praying when the Spirit fell upon them. You cannot get the Holy Spirit watching television. It's not going to happen. No matter how anointed the preacher is. We have our, we have our messages on YouTube. You cannot get filled by the Holy Spirit by just listening to the messages. You have to pray. It only comes by praying for the promise. Not only that, you have to now receive it. The Lord Almighty might pour out the Spirit. If you refuse to receive it, then it is not yours. The Bible told us that when that particular Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, it said there was cloven tongue as on fire upon every one of them. And they began to speak in tongues. They received it. It's a gift. And you have to receive it. If you don't receive it, it doesn't manifest in your life. And not only that, you now begin to walk in it. The Bible says that after, after they began to speak in tongues, they stepped out and Paul and Peter was able to stand up and minister to the crowd. They started walking in that particular promise. So it comes, number one, with consecration. Then it comes by waiting. It comes by praying. It comes by receiving the promise and walking in the promise. And not only that, it now comes by growing in the promise. 
Because we find out that what Peter did the first day was boldness to speak. Then later he was able to heal. Then as time went on, Peter's shadow was now raising the dead. That tells you the man was growing in the, in the, in the, in the, in the field of the Spirit of the Almighty God. Now if you read the book of, you read the book of Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, if you read from verse 3 to verse 5, the Bible tells us the various depths of walking in the Spirit. Various depths. Initially you can stand at the shore. Then later you walk at the ankle. Then you go to the knee. Then it gets to the way. And then you get to the point where you begin to flow. And that is why you see ministers and ministries where people don't need to pray. All you have to do is just walk into that atmosphere and healing takes place. That tells you they have gone to a level. There is a time if you are just growing in the faith. You begin to pray. You have to pray, pray, pray before your eyes are open. Then later as you begin to develop your gift and begin to walk in the spirit. You find that as soon as you close your eyes, the Lord opens your eyes. Your ears are able to hear the word of the Almighty God. There was a time before you pray. You first of all pray in tongues for 30 minutes before you say one word of prophecy. Then later the Lord begins to speak to you. You'll be having a normal conversation and the Lord opens your mouth and you begin to speak. It's a level of walking with the Lord. And the more you walk with Him, the more you grow in that promise, the more you see that manifestation happening in your life. And I pray to be our portion in Jesus' name. Now that we have seen how to receive the Holy Spirit, the question then is, why is this thing called the anointing important for you? Why is it important for me? Why is it important to the church? Why is the anointing important in the life of a believer? Number one, the anointing is important in the life of a believer because number one, it empowers you. It empowers you. Believers are powerless without the anointing. There are certain things you can never do without the anointing. You can try, you can shout on the devil. You can shout on somebody who is sick and say, be healed, be healed, be healed. I say, you must be healed. And you can do all that. If the anointing is not dead, nothing will happen. The only thing that will happen is that you are going to lose your voice. Okay, but the anointing nothing will happen if the, the anointing empowers. That's why it is important. The anointing enables. That's why emboldens. Sorry, the anointing emboldens. That is why you need it. The Bible says that before the day of Pentecost, these same disciples they were hiding. They were afraid. They were afraid of the Jews. Even Peter was cursing himself. Causing himself in the presence of a woman, a little girl. But the Bible told us that as soon as the anointing fell upon Peter, he was able to stand among the council and tell them, who you think I should believe you, who you think we should obey you or obey God. And the emboldens, the anointing emboldens you. It doesn't make you a cocky, obnoxious person. No. It just makes you, it just emboldens you. Gives you the courage to be able to declare the word of God. The anointing enlarges you. When you are anointed, you find out that the Lord Almighty will enlarge your coast. He will give you a platform where you can declare His word. He will give you opportunities where you can begin to speak His word. And that is what He spoke unto Paul. He told Paul that it was going to give him opportunity to be able to speak to kings. And that was why Paul was able to get to Rome and declare the word to the emperor. The Lord, the anointing enlarges. Not only that, the anointing preserves. Without the anointing, you will find out that there will be no fruit. You will not be able to keep the fruit of the ministry. You'll not be able to keep the fruit of what God is giving unto you. The anointing preserves. The anointing also sustains. I tell you, without the anointing, many of the people who are doing the work of God will be burnt out. And that's why they said that the, 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 the work of the pastor is one of the work in which people are quitting on the record number. Because it is frustrating. It is very tiring. It's very exhausting. But without the anointing, you will not be able to sustain it. You will be burnt out easily. Now, since the anointing is very, very important, the question is, why is it that many people don't have it? We've talked about the purpose, why God gives it to us. 
We've talked about the importance of that particular anointing. The question is, why is it very, very scarce in the church and in the life of the people who are supposed to be enjoying it? Why is the anointing scarce? Why is the anointing not found in the church? The anointing of the Holy Spirit is scarce in the church and in the life of believers because many of us want to present an unsanctified vessel to be anointed. And God will never anoint the unsanctified. The Lord will not anoint the unsanctified. In other words, you are in your own house. You want to eat. Your son or your daughter decide to bring a plate that you have been using to feed your cat or your dog. And it prepares a very good food. Put the food inside that plate that you are using to feed your cat and your dog. No matter how you like your daughter or your son. If you have any sense of dignity inside of you, you will not eat that food inside that cat food, inside that cat container or dog container. Because it's not a vessel that you want to use. The Bible says in the house of the Almighty God, there are several vessels. There are some unto honor and there are some unto dishonor. Where I come from, in the neck of the wood where I come from, in this part of the country, they, when they use the bathroom, they use what is called a bow. Hmm? That bow is that we don't have indoor plumbing. So at night, instead of people going outside to go and, you know, uh, ease themselves, they take that bowl and they, they, they excrete and do everything inside that bowl. Okay? So that is their own makeshift inside plumbing. Alright? Now, if you put there, that is a vessel onto dishonor. No matter how beautiful your bow is, if you put food inside, nobody will take it from you. Because it is a bow. The point I'm making is that the Lord will not anoint a bow. That's what I'm saying. The Lord is not going to anoint an unsanctified vessel. And that is the reason a lot of people, they want the anointing of God. They want to operate in the power of God. They want to move in in the anointing of the Almighty God. But that is not happening. The reason is because we are presenting an unsanctified vessel for God to to anoint. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, We thank you for listening.